Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the most energy-filled podcast on the fucking planet. I am your host, a skeleton made out of fucking Ambien. Joining me today, we have a bird. Hi. And a pair of Nike running shoes. Yeah! I'm shot out of a fucking cannon! Fuck yeah! Ow. <laughs> I'm yelling! I'm shit! So, Dead Man took downers, Nico took coke. <laughs> no, I think everyone's. This is going to be a pretty downer episode, folks. You're joining us at the wee hours of almost 9.30 at night on a Wednesday. And I am rip-roaring and ready to go. (laughs) Woo! This is up with everyone tonight. <laughs> Are you still depressed from the election, Bertie? <laughs> uh, if you had asked me that a few days ago, I probably would have said yes. But uh, yeah. right. I'm, I'm, I've moved through the various stages of grief, and am now, I guess, in the, I guess you'd call it the. Um, Acceptance stage? Acceptance (laughs) slash covert plotting stage. Fair enough. (laughs) It took me just long enough for it to be very apparent how awake I am for me to realize you're talking about the American election. Yes, I'm talking about... I actually like your your president. Prime Minister, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. Canada, true north, we're, strong, we're legalizing and weed everywhere, <laughs> and fucking tastic. No, I'm just <laughs> all right. Let's get this show on the road. The shoe in the road. So let's jump right into it. We don't have shoe. We don't got no fucking civil war t- things. I can't even think of a good insult for the book. Fuck. Uh, the destruction of Carol Danvers. That's, that's what's turned into. That's too descriptive <laughs> and not insulting enough. Okay. Um, Bendis shitting on Marvel. You got you getting that shit too wordy, dude. It's okay. Uh, shit, fuck. <laughs> come back in a few years you might be able to pull off that level of fucking hatred with so few words doing this shit for six goddamn years no wonder you're exhausted jesus (laughs) i was gonna make videos today but then i was like oh wait i can't make pancakes Well, so by the rules of Canada, that means you fed someone through a wood chipper, right? No, this isn't Fargo. Also, we'll be running down. 
There are gonna, there's gonna be no fucking title or anything for this fucking episode. I, I don't have the capacity to talk about comics and write those down at the same time. Well, yeah. I... <laughs> so anyway, yeah. It... Let's talk about a label that is definitely the best time to talk about it is when you are half asleep. Young Animal. And their latest book. are no longer. Yeah, and their latest book, Mother Panic. I've been hearing really good things. It is better than Shade. Mm -hmm. It is a decent length. Like still with like no like still within spitting distance of Cave Carson. Mm-hmm. And it's not really that close to Doom Patrol. Of the four so, young animal books that I have read, it is sitting at a very solid third. Hmm. Interesting. There's a new vigilante in Gotham, and she's violent. Versus all the other vigilantes? Like, lethally so. See, now this goes back to the question I had asked last time when you talked about, I think it was Cave Carson, where I'm like, where exactly do these books fit in to the actual overall... Because I, I, I get like these sound like more vertigo tone, toned books, but at the same time, now they're revealing themselves to actually be involved in the main DCU in a way. Yeah, it's it's weird. Hmm. Which, Kelsa Pree's a fucking young animal book is weird. Of just how these books actually fit in with the DC universe as a whole, because... Uh, with fucking... Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol has a fairly long history of interacting with the regular mainstream DC universe. Mainly in they creep the main DC, mainstream DC universe out. Like when that painting ate Paris and then Doom Patrol showed up, then Animal Man was like, yeah, you fucking weirdos, don't touch me. <laughs> and then with this, Batman shows up in it. And will be featuring prominently in the next issue based on the cover. Okay. And in Cave, and Car- the, oh, in Cave Carson, yeah, Wild Dog is a character. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Is it? It's the dog, <laughs> yeah. baby. He's, 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 he's a funny, like, Punisher rip <sighs> I don't know. He, he makes me laugh, his get-up. and I think it's entertaining that they threw that character in there. I haven't read it, but... I don't know when he when Dead Man was describing it last episode. I, I got quite a bit of enjoyment out of it. <laughs> if, his reason, if his name had his name had an yeah, ex- Birdie. For some reason, whenever you guys say Wild Dog, I think of the the Bulldog boss villain from the Sly Cooper games. That's Mugshot. Okay, sorry. And whenever I say Wild Dog, I think. Dogmaster X, Mr. DMX. <laughs> the stalwart poet laureate of a rapper who brought us such riveting insights into the, into the modern culture as how you can explain about fucking a man. Uh, 
He's aspiring to insane clown posse. Two classic debut albums, same year. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget. Also, is that classic in the same way Ubisoft is iconic. <laughs> oh, those, these were classic albums. Classics. Just as a quick aside, while I have the thought in my head. And we're back, folks. I just got a bump of meth, so I'm going to be waking up any minute now. We have to take a break and go and listen to It's Dark and Hell is Hot, the classic DMX album of all time. That's how yeah, man, the I Rough Riders roll. <laughs> and then I listen to Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. They've got to stop, <laughs> drop, shut them down, and open up shop. It's strange, go. it's strange, but I like it. I thought we were just singing songs. What are we talking about? <laughs> That's not a DMX song. <laughs> no, but it's a song that someone talked about when reviewing Doctor Strange. And it just yeah, come on. It's the dog, baby. <laughs> so you're talking about a young animal book. Right, yeah. So Cave Carson had, had fucking Wild Dog pop up, giving it to him. <laughs> well, okay. This has Batman and Shay the Changing Girl had buildings like a lot of DC books do. But this is the one that seems to have the most direct connection to DC proper in that it's Batman. Nice. Get at me, dog. So the book is about a celebutante-esque girl, part of some really rich family. Her dad's dead. Her mom is some kind of Alzheimer's, I think, or dementia or something. She spends all her time hanging out in a garden. Not really paying attention to what's going on and much like you i'm i'm paying as much attention as i am mentally capable of right now okay (laughs) and uh and she is out there being a vigilante but she's like a real violent one like more violent than is necessary by Batman standards. She might also kill people. I'm not sure. And, Sounds like a thing. And the big bad for this arc takes people, strings them up in a room made of polka dots and slits their throats onto a canvas page then sells that. That's pretty fucking crazy. Not when you're reading the story. Strings to hold them down. No, the strings hold them up. (laughs) Hmm. And it's 
And it would be kind of dark if I wasn't also reading the Daredevil story about Muse. Or Vincent Van Or Vincent Van Gore. Is that the Charles Soule stuff? It's the stuff going on right now. In Marvel? Oh, yeah, okay. with, with Blind Spot. And this bizarre white creature in a fucking toque. You know, I'll say it, it almost lost me with that fucking ten finger or whatever the hell his name was, twenty fingers. You remember that yeah, fucking ten, crazy? Yeah, ten fingers, that fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the arc after that was actually quite fun, where they went to the casino. I, they got me back with that arc, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. But I've been bringing in trade, so yeah. So now, you're saying it's, it's not good? It's not good again now, or? Uh, no, it's fine. Like right now, they're in an arc where they discover a painting that was painted with 107 different people's blood. This Daredevil fucking run is weird, man. Weird villains. Yeah, and they introduce Muse, known in the media as Vincent Van Gore. Okay. A guy who kills people, then does art. Huh. Yeah, that sounds alright. But it's dark. Yeah, so this is kind of a weaker version of that. This lady... Mm. At the beginning, doesn't seem all that interesting. She's just kind of, oh, I'm highfalutin art lady. I kill people. I belong in a Hannibal Lecter story. Yeah, actually, she seems like a Hannibal villain, less than a Batman villain. And then (laughs) Mother Panic herself is Moon Knight-esque. Okay. Most, well, go. Mostly in terms of design. In, in, in a good way? Or I like think, a, I think that can go very wrong. <laughs> yeah, she is Moon Knight in aesthetic, not so much in personality. In personality. Uh, she's not crazy. She's not. Well, she's crazy enough to dress up like she does. Hmm. Yeah, it is kind of she she is dressed vaguely bat-esque like mm. bat by way of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, she's got like a strange helmet and stuff too, right? Like I seen yeah, the, I seen the like I seen the cover illustrations. Yeah, the helmet right? is the big thing like even a guy she saves is like is like, "Hey, so what are you going to do?" I we talk like, "Hey, you're one of the bats people, right?" And she's like, "Nope, fuck you." Knocks him out, ties her to a fucking flying scooter or whatever. Mm. Something that looks very much like Moon Knight's weird moon fly thing. Plane? Hover, hover, the, <sighs> I'm awake, goddammit. You're talking my, about the Moon Knight thing? I've had my eyes closed for five minutes and I can't open them. <laughs> Just talking into the darkness. <laughs> That's what it's like being a dead man. There's a microphone in front of me. Bottom boom. And I can still uh, hear you guys and myself, so I'm going to assume that it keeps recording. All right. So, Mother Panic. Not bad. Uh, it, in, in, it's <laughs> so-so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of so-so. Like, I don't particularly like our lead character. She is... Hmm. 
I don't find her backstory interesting enough to make up for her lack of charisma. Mm-hmm. And she's not crazy or violent enough to be able to carry the book on that. She's just kind of a dick. So she's basically a bad version of Batman without the trauma of the parents and any, like, you have no empathy for them at all. Like, they're basically just like, like, she's just like, so she's just like a, a, you're saying she's basically like a bad Batman ripoff and you have no, you don't care for her. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Huh. Yeah, so I, I have no idea where they're going to go with this. I Now, yeah, sorry, I just have one more question. The, I, I remember you saying the artist that's on this book, I remember they did an issue of American Superman, and if I recall correctly, I don't think you were a fan. Were you? Or did you like the art in this? Because I, I looked at it, it looked really good to me. Uh, it. Tommy Lee Edwards? It was a bit line-heavy for me. Like It's mm-hmm. incredibly scratchy. And heavy blacks, yeah. yeah, real heavy blacks. And like at, at the beginning of the book, I actually like the first time I read through it, I didn't know that the character on the first page was the main character who appeared in the second page. Oh, that's bad then. Yeah, yeah. Like when we, when we first see her, uh, like it's got heavy blacks and stuff, but the lighting on the head makes her look blonde, and then when she gets out of the plane, she has mm. black hair. Okay. I was like, "Oh wait, who the fuck? Who who is this? What?" Like, like when I went back and looked at it again, mm. just like to recap, my, just to recap myself for this, I had to go back and look at the first cut, look at the first page and the second page a couple times just to remind myself. Oh, okay, that's our that's our main character. Mm. So it's like had storytelling issues in a way. Yeah, like, when yeah, yeah. when she is in costume. Mm. It's very much the Moon Knight thing of just this white block of a thing just existing and standing out on the page. Mm. But what's really weird is that in her fight scene, she's in a big fight scene with a bunch of with a bunch of dudes, and just every couple panels, just some art shit would happen, like. Like, hey, I'm going to go punch this guy. The next panel is a fucking dead tree being struck by lightning, and it's all pure white. And then hmm. the ne- and then the ne- and then it goes back. And it's like, okay, so I'm breaking the fucking board. And then all of a sudden, it's a fucking rat humping a skull or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just, like, disturbing images out of nowhere. Not, just, even, like, not, not even disturbing, just weird random images. Weird. Okay, and there's no explanation for that right now. Like uh, it just like happens. No, they it just did it, hmm. it and it did it to interrupt a fight scene, and right. and it's a fight scene that I cannot follow. Like yes, yeah, so yeah, some, yeah, some definite so, art issues then. Yeah, so it is a tree being struck by lightning, then a swan full of arrows, then a bleeding birthday cake, then a snake eating a rat. All the while, she is. Go ahead. Birdie, go ahead. I was just going to say, that sounds like something out of uh, Monica Magica. Yeah, Monica Magica would have handled it better. True. True. So yeah, that's 
with this is I... It might just be the slip in consciousness, but I'm not that into this one. Hmm. So you're not going to stick with it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. From what I, what I, from most of your descriptions of these books, you've enjoyed most of them, but it seems that they're more geared towards the trade, personally. I don't know. It doesn't seem like you get enough out of each issue where you kind of know what the fuck's going on. Doom Patrol and Cave Carson, you do. Those two you do? Okay. Yeah, because I remember you really just, I don't think you like that shade one. Well, it, you, is Doom Patrol still Morrison? Uh, no, it, it Doom Patrol has been Morrison since the eighties. This is Gerard. This is Gerard Way. Okay, but he is very much carrying on the Morrison, carrying on the yeah. feel of Grant Morrison by just making a weird ass fucking book, but still having all the characters feel like semi real, like fucking having having Robot Man there looking like a fucking punk rocker. I'm just saying, I don't fucking know what the hell's happening. I'm just going to keep doing this shit. Give me a chance to punch something and I'll fucking punch it. But otherwise, I'm just going to try to not go insane. Negative man, the negative spirits, now an alien. Like he, like he got taken by aliens and the negative spirit got ripped out and then fused with a bug man from space or something. Meanwhile, fucking Niles Calder is still hanging out playing the fucking theremin or whatever. And there's a backup story in this book about a radio DJ who gets murdered live on air talking about the Batman. Mother panic. All right. It's a thing. <laughs> All righty. Oh. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's keep this uh, tired misery train rolling here. <laughs> true, true, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah. So unfortunately, I'm not gonna bring it up here with the first book I'm gonna talk about. Uh, <laughs> I don't think either. But so let's get that one out of the way. So uh, this is uh, Thanos number one uh, by Marvel Comics, obviously, and. Uh, this I is forgot uh, this came out. Yeah, so this is the new Jeff Lemire book. We're all big uh, fans of Jeff Lemire on this show. Uh, yeah, talked- now if there's if there's someone who should be as sleepy as Dead Man is right now, it's Jeff Lemire. <laughs> That's right. He, you know, he he writes all the books. <laughs> he's all run. He's running off Mangaka <laughs> drugs. So him and, and- Ichiro Oda have fucking adjoining <laughs> hospital rooms. So Lemire was joined by uh, <laughs> an artist I've talked about quite a few times on this show uh, by the name of Mike Diodato. Oh. <laughs> uh, so if you do okay, recall. Okay, you, you can just stop now. You, you don't have to talk anymore. Right? Right? Like, if, with, as you a sign know. of how bad this is, um, yeah. in, in their DC... Uh, DC's back in releasing all of their uh, back issues for a lot of stuff, and for Wonder Woman, they had Wonder Woman, written by Greg Rucka, and then they had Wonder Woman, drawn by Mike Diodato. 
Yeah. Couldn't even be bothered to say who wrote it. And <laughs> based on the art, I think he wrote I don't think that you one wanna, too. I don't. Did he draw? Did he write yeah. it too? Well, that, well, that believe, explains a few things. Because there's, there's a volume out, I think that's called Wonder Woman by Mike Diodato. I think it's him writing and drawing. Well, that explains. Yeah, I, I might be okay. wrong, but I think I think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I could look, but I seen the cover his, and I was like, that's horrible. Is, his art is so. I don't know if it's improved at all, but it's so bad. Ninety so, from what I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, if you guys recall, I've talked about him on the show before and how much I really dislike his art. It looks like, really It looks like bad 90s with bad modern shading. Right? And fucking um like photo tracing the shit. Like it's it's it Okay, so <laughs> Mike Dionato is a guy who will do the job. I he can do at least probably two books a month. And he's a guy who got his name up in recent years by doing a lot of books. With Bendis. He's like a Greg Land who I fucking think is horrible, but keeps getting put on big name books because guess what? He can pump out the issues. He can keep up a schedule. Good for him. You know, he has name recognition, whatever. He but can pump He my- can pump out the books because all he needs to do is fucking bring into Photoshop one of these seven right. template faces he uses. Right. Right. Yes. And and, and- if, if there's any delay because he injured himself masturbating. So, In answer to your earlier question, Nico, as far as I can tell, no, Diodato did not write Wonder Woman. He just drew it. Oh, he just drew them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so they wouldn't. So <laughs> they didn't even put the writer's name on that one. Then on the cover, they just put Mike Diodato. <laughs> yeah, and looking at the art, I don't know why they would bother putting the artist on either. <laughs> right. Because oh, fuck so- you. That's why. So needless because, to say- <laughs> oh god, so much bad '90s ass shots. Uh, please See, tell me we don't get a shot of 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 Thanos doing the '90s chick ass shot, and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, I we, do. We gotta but- get we gotta get the we gotta get the fucking Thanos initiative started up. Oh Jesus so- Christ, Mike Diodato, he did a book called Lady Death vs. Vampirella. <laughs> so so much fan service it imploded in on itself basically yeah it's a fucking singularity of fucking yeah. rubber the book spines. is just one big tit <laughs> it's just, 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 it is a 20 it's 22 page fold out spread of a tit <laughs> no not even of a tit just like you know those you know those scenes like in movies or whatever where guys will like Turn the magazine on the side of the page was just like fold out. It's just like twenty two pages of that. <laughs> he also it, it, he also it, did the art of a four issue mini for fucking Tigra. You know I don't mind Tigra, but I haven't seen much done with her outside of Avengers books. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. <laughs> she was introduced as a non superpowered crime fighter called the Cat. Well, how original. <laughs> yeah, and then she became a cat woman, maybe because a radioactive tiger breathed on her or something. Oh, uh, so she? Oh, actually, looking at looking at her costume, she was just Hellcat. It's oh, so, it's the so exact, she's Walker. It is the exact same costume. Yeah, well, In, Hellcat has that blue mask thing, though, doesn't she? So like, does the, the cat. I'm gonna send. Oh. I'm gonna send you a picture. Of oh no! I thought you were talking about T- uh, T- Tigra for a second. I was like, she doesn't nope. have a mask. Nope. Oh, the In, cat. Yeah, okay. Tigra as the cat. 
Latigra. <laughs> All right, let's check this out. Isn't Latigra one of Derek Zoolander's faces? <laughs> yes, that's why I said it. <laughs> <sighs> oh yeah, beware the claws of the cat, and then she has like a little like pop out circle there, where she's like meow. And meow. <laughs> well, that's the cat's. That's gonna... not that. That's not Hellcat. Nope, that is the it, cat. That that looks like Hellcat. <laughs> that is Greer that, Grant just, Nelson. That's just Hellcat. That's just. This you is sure this is just a, black hair. You sure this isn't like a Wikipedia mistake? Nope. That's weird. Huh. That yeah, it's is... its first appearance. The cat. Claws of the cat. Yeah. Weird. Oh, that was a nice tidbit of information. That is pretty much fucking Hellcat, though. That's that's her. And now you that's... know, and knowing is half. <sighs> so, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That was. <laughs> Let's talk about Than- some Diodato. Diodato's <laughs> Thanos. So Thanos, Thanos, everyone pronounce it. So I call it. Yeah, Than- like I, s- I call him Thanose. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, like I said, we're both big fans of Jeff Lemire on this show. I, I like. And I think Jeff Lemire has been on a, a mad tear of putting out really good books. Um, after reading this Thanos book, though, excluding the fact, if you can, the Mike Diodato art, who I'm not a fan of, and I was originally not going to pick this up for that reason, but I'm like, you know what? I can kind of look past it if the the story's really good. I like this character. I like Jeff Lemire. Let's see what this first issue is all about. And it was pretty bland. I would say that this is probably more on the side of, like, the... I think like one of the lead, my least favorite books that I've dropped now that Lemire is writing for Marvel is the, um, uh, I mean, they can't all be winners would be the extraordinary X-Men book, which I did not enjoy. I would say it's po- probably more in the middle of the spectrum of the, the extraordinary X-Men being the worst of the stuff I've read by him lately. And then on the other end, you have great books like black hammer, descender moon Knight. Like, so I'd say it's uh, kind of, okay, smacked now, hold on a sec. Yeah. You have to, to a certain extent, you have to put that on a separate spectrum because you're comparing like the Indie mainstream books. stuff, sure, to the stuff he does to like creator own books. Okay, so the, that's like com- that's like comparing Ed Brubaker's work on Marvel, which is still good, yeah, with the shit he did with Image. Okay, yeah, I know you're right. So <laughs> excluding that, I'll say that the good books he's been writing for Marvel lately had been Hawkeye, Old Man Logan, uh, Moon Knight. This, I would say, is somewhere smack dab in the middle, like, not as good as all those books, and not as bad as Extraordinary X-Men. Um, it was just kind of, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't, it, basically, the book started out with them uh, reintroducing you to Corvus Glaive, who is actually one of the more interesting characters from the Infinity event that I did enjoy uh, by Hickman. Uh, he kind of introduced a bunch of different people that were, you know, uh, disciples of Thanos, at that time, and this was one of the more interesting characters that kind of was in Infinity and New Avengers, kind of throughout all of Hickman's run. So pretty much something that happened in Civil War, which I'm sure Deadman knows about, I don't. Um, something happened where Thanos is now back, and he has basically come back to claim uh, this planet that Corvus Glaive has now taken over that was the planet of Thanos's. So... Uh, so basically, the full the first half of the book is him kind of coming back there, taking Y'all don't back take my shit. Yeah, kind of, kind of. You know, I've I've been locked up for a while. 
I'm back to take my shit now. And he's kind of sitting there on like the throne on this planet that basically, I guess, was Thanos's before. And he's like, well, you're going to have to fight me uh, to the death for it. And he's like, well, so he's like, good, because I, I figured you'd be willing to die for this. And they pretty much they battle it out. And he kills him. And pretty much, you know, again, in the grand scheme of things, Corvus Glaive is not a character since it was created by Hickman that, you know, I'm sure has to stick around. But he was one of the more interesting characters I thought they made up during that time. So I was disappointed to see him get killed so quick. But he's gone. And and basically the re- the other half of the issue, you get introduced to uh, Thane, which is like, I think it's his son. Uh, Thanos' son, I believe it was. Yep. And Thane, son of Thanos, right. part of right. uh, part of one of the like nomadic, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in human groups. And he meets back up with. Um, he goes to visit Star Fox, who I believe Star Fox. I don't know if you guys recall or remember Star Fox. He's like this character with like red hair. He used to be on the Avengers back in the day. And like, I don't know, he was probably the 70s or 80s. He's like this guy who has the power that like he gets like people's like pheromones, like kind of acting like he, I guess people he, like fall in love. He like uses, people fall in love he with him. He uses power to fuck people, including the She-Hulk. Yeah, so he basically gets people to, like, fall in love with him. That's, like, I guess his power. I've never been a huge Star Fox fan. I think he's his cousin or something. He's, like, one of his extended family members, Thanos. These, all these Jim Starlin um, cosmic characters are all kind of related somehow. So, so he goes to visit Star Fox, and it looks like he's rounding people up now to basically take out um, his father... And then at the end of the issue, who shows up but Death? Death, who's basically always been around in Thanos' story since the Infinity Gauntlet. So, I mean... Well, Thanos keeps trying to fuck her, but she's too into right. Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now Deadpool's well, married, so she needs a rebound. Would that be an interesting cat fight between um, Death... And uh, the mistress of monsters. <laughs> it wouldn't be much of a cat fight because she'd go because fucking Chicklow would just go, go full monster, and then Death would just kill her. But can so, you kill something that's not technically dead or alive? Yes, by making it dead. Oh. Okay, I wasn't exactly. I was never clear what exactly Chicklow was. So this. This version of Death, though, is not the classic Death, like, kind of with her skeleton face under, like, a cloak. It's, like, some new, hipper, younger-looking Death. Of course it is. Then she's hot fucking garbage. So, I kind of wish that they didn't make her look like that. I I recall her being in the Thanos... Jason Aaron did a Thanos miniseries, which, which wasn't that great, Thanos Rising, and I believe that's where she showed up looking like this, I remember reading, like years right. ago. her. Yeah, yeah, right? I believe that's what she looked like in that one, is this is that version. But we haven't seen her, as far as I know, since then. So They're, Yeah, they made her a person so that she could have Thanos, she could pretend to be a person so that Thanos would start mm. to kill and then she'd go, oh, surprise, fuck stick, I'm right. death. Right. And she's basically still plotting against him like usual. And the big cliffhanger at the end of this first issue is not only is everybody after him now, and he's basically back to kind of stirring up shit, taking over his throne on the planet. He is also apparently dying. 
And then you just see the last page of him kind of grasping his chest and he's bleeding out kind of for some reason. And death is explaining to Thane, which he did not know that his fa- that he's actually dying right now for some reason. So, so yeah, it was okay. It wasn't, it didn't make me, and so it's, in case you didn't know, the Diodato art is just bad like usual. <laughs> he's definitely trying something different in this. Like this looks different than other Diodato, but it's still not good in my like, opinion. Like, Diodato is kind of at the other end of the spectrum for like bad '90s artwork because there's the uh, neither end is good, but there's the Liefeld end, and then right. there's the Diodato end. Yeah, and, this is just yeah. Sorry, go on. And the Diodato stuff is unfortunately a little bit more common because it's, it leans heavily on the cheesecake. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I mean the. I guess you can say that the Liefeld stuff was super popular for a while, but people got sick of that really quick. <laughs> yeah, but it's just really, like Deadman mentioned earlier, it's just really fucking photo referency, and, like, you could tell he's using, like, Photoshop, oh, yeah. uh, Photoshop no, up, up the ass. And in this one, um, it seems like he's taking his digital pencils, and, I, you know, I don't know too much about, you know, I'm, I learn slowly about artists and the way they do their art, but at least what it looks like to me, it looks like he's basically doing that and actually penciling or shading over the fucking digital effects somehow because there's this is Diodato but a different Diodato like it seems like he's at least trying something and while, while it's not as bad as probably the project I've seen before this him do something with Bendis I'm sure um, it's not good still like in my opinion but like he's he's like cross hatching the shit out of everything like he's shading all the fucking characters in this and uh, it looks kind of like Sean Murphy-ish but bad <laughs> like so I, I just, just was not I a just, fan of this I just did a google image search for death and one of the things that came up was a fan made poster for a death battle between Thanos and Alexandrite from Steven Universe I felt the need to share that thank you <laughs> I'm contributing but yeah. Honestly, I honestly at this point, Nico, I it, we're talking about Jeff Lemire books. I'm more curious about uh, S- Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire's new book rather than yes. This, but I just I just picked it up today. I've get to read it. It looks okay. great though. Yeah, it's got some pros in it though. What and, book is uh, that? Uh, AD After Death. I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, it just came out today. Yeah, so hopefully we can talk about it next episode because it do, it does look very interesting. It's the first time since I guess that fucking Swamp Thing Animal Man crossover, which you know I wouldn't say was their best effort. It's like creator own Scott Snyder Jeff Lemire thing, so that should be interesting. So, um, but yeah, uh, Thanos not that great. It was okay, not it wasn't horrible, but uh, Diodato sucks. And if I hear good things, I might check out the trade, but because I like Lemire, I really like Lemire. I just uh, I don't think this is his. If you like Thanos, maybe you'd enjoy this, but, like, I do like his character, and I do like his, like, I've read a lot of older Thanos stories. It's just, this was just kind of, like, run-of-the-mill type stuff you would expect at this I, point. I honestly have a hard time getting into Thanos. I think, yeah, like, I feel like he's just a less interesting dark side. Sure. But That's because he is. Dark side is fucking driven by his desire for power and control through the anti-life equation. Fucking Thanos is driven by the fact that he's such a nice guy. Why won't Death just return his calls? And he fucking tips his fedora so hard he destroys planets like a fucking cunt. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Birdie.
Well, uh, <laughs> actually, that was a that, bad note to call out Bernie on. <laughs> Sorry, that derailed things. <laughs> Bernie, I am tributing. All right, go ahead, Bernie. Is he? I'm never sure. Um, all right. Well, since we just mentioned a after death book, I guess we should talk about Reborn. Yes. This is weird. This book is really weird. From what I've heard from you guys about Mark Millar's output recently, this sounds like he's just stretching his muscles a little bit more than he usually does. It is weird. Mm. And I have not read as much of it as you have, i.e. I have not read the second issue yet. Mm. But it's an interesting concept, if nothing else. Because it's... Because it's dependent on the idea, weirdly, it's dependent on the idea of, like, a faithless heaven, if you could call it that, where it's, like, the person, the main character is a person who does not believe in heaven or an afterlife, but dies and wakes up a crystallization of all of the life she's lived into a battle attire Mm -hmm. in a... In a cyberpunk fantasy world, and the main character's entire family are part of a group of rebels or defenders or warriors of some kind, and she is the savior they've been waiting a very long time for, and that she has lived for 75 years, and most of her family died a long time ago. So to say that I don't get the rules of this thing yet doesn't even cover mm-hmm. it. It is very <laughs> yeah. poorly explained. I, yes, but then when you read the second issue, it's going to flip you on your head once again, and like you're going to learn like a whole other side of everything else that's going on in this. Like you, like you don't even touch on anything in that first issue. I felt compared to the second issue. It's no, it is. It is like, hey, you're. Di- like the like the first page, the first issue is, hey, you're dead, fucking super. Now get ready to fight these fucking monsters. And then the rest of it is seventy five year old lady saying, "I'm a fucking dying soon, so fuck you." And the second issue is actually, hey, my dad's alive, and I hold them like I want to fuck him. What? <laughs> There's, yeah, there's, that, that 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 rules the one that makes the least sense to me. It's not clear how the age thing works. Yeah, because it's not it's not your look as old as you did when you died, which was the rule for uh, drifters. Mm. It's it's it seems very arbitrary how old you are. You're obviously younger, but there doesn't seem to be any correlation between how old no. you were when you died and how <laughs> old you are in this world yet. No. No, no, no. And then, like I said, the second issue doesn't really do... Like, it explains some things, but then it leaves other things, like, even more fucked up than it what you thought they were, kind of. There's also there's also not a whole lot of correlation between the main character's dad's hair color and his beard color. Well, it might be a colorist issue, though, right? It's not really... Yeah, his just his, just his hair is a light brown, and his mustache, his fucking glorious handlebar is fucking pitch black. I am beginning to see why uh, people say Mark Millar should work with Greg Capullo all the time. Oh, man. 
again, I don't want to keep going back to it, but again, the second issue, because you see so much more of the world, I'd like to hear again what you, you have to say after you read the second issue as well, Bertie, though, but I'm glad to hear you. It sounds like you somewhat enjoyed it, but the second issue, holy I'm, fuck. It's, <laughs> I'm curious, if nothing else. I, I It's weird. It, it's well drawn, but yeah. aside from like the main character's battle attire and what looks like what was the name of Korra's dog from Legend of Korra? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but it, like it looks like she's riding. It looks like she's found an armored version of something like that. Mm. I think his name is Roy Boy. Yeah. Oh. Not as not as awesome as Ernie Hudson playing a talking corgi, and the main character's best <laughs> friend, and the main character's best friend is now a fucking big old giant fairy god because she couldn't find Jesus. Yeah, I don't claim to understand the rules of this world, and I don't think anyone here does. I'm curious. And like then, and then the main bad guy <clears throat> is fucking Tim Curry's albino cousin from Legend. I I get um I don't know if, uh, Dead Man or even Birdie with the first issue maybe you got this vibe I, for some reason because you see definitely more of the world in the, in the second issue I, I kind of get like um like a never ending story type vibe from this you know what I mean like. Like, uh, I can see, I I can kind of see that from the aesthetic, but I can't really tell that from thematically the sec- or narratively yet. Mm-hmm. But again, only read issue one, right? Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see what you think. I read the sec because I, I for me the, to be honest, the first issue I didn't think was that great, but then I read the second issue and I really enjoyed the second issue. Like I was like, okay, now I'm in. And that, and that just might be a combination of, like, the Capullo getting to draw all these fantastical things you wouldn't see him draw in Batman combined with um, there's a little bit of the the Mark Miller heart kind of showing a little bit more that we are actually seeing Maybe, in uh, some... Deadman, I want to ask you this question. Does it seem like, uh, despite fantasy versus sci-fi, that Capullo's designs are a little bit more absurd, in, uh, absurd and creative in Empress than here? In Empress, he's not he draw Empress. drawing Empress. That's, that, oh, that's not. It looks like that's Stuart. That's Stuart Imminent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, 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 never mind. But I, I, I feel like the the Greg Capullo's talents mm. are being put on display, but I don't know if the designs are as fantastical as I would have liked for something this insane. Mm. Uh, like he's Capullo, not the right artist for it. Capullo, you, you mean? Uh, no, Capullo, yeah. like Capullo's talents being put on display for the bad guy, especially. Like in the second issue, mm. we get a fucking couple panels of that bad guy, and just yeah, the amount of detail that Capullo puts into that guy is fucking incredible. Okay, yeah, but yeah. It's design it's wise. Like- it looks like half the shit in this fucking book looks like Flash Gordon. Yeah, well, that's why I was upset. I'm, as but interesting d- as I am in what this world is, other than the main <clears throat> character's battle attire, nothing is all that standing out that much for me yet. But, Deadman, how about that two-page spread, though, of the tree village in the second issue, though? That's a pretty fucking awesome page. 
The uh, tree village one, uh, if you recall. I am going through uh, again. Or that big fucking samurai type guy that's guarding the door. Or, a fucking samurai? Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. Not fu- he's not fucking, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that samurai guy actually gave me uh, fucking Tokyo ghost flashbacks for a second. Yeah, kind of, yeah. But the, it's the page right before that. The, uh, yeah, tree yeah, the tree one. village that looked. That's that's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah that that's where that's where the fairy goddess lives. Mm. Who again? Like that lady is fucking main character's best friend. Who was super? She was super religious. Then died and was like, "Oh, there's no Jesus here, so fuck everybody." That is the storyline, apparently. Mm. Anyway. Oh, also, yeah, one the fucking the fucking main bad guy's advisor is a dead house cat. Oh, don't spoil that part for Birdie. Come on now. <laughs> That's that's the best joke of the of the series, I think, so far. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> it, it's we uh, need. Yeah. Do you want to know? Because it's a pretty good joke. I I thought it was funny. When he put that out. <laughs> okay, like, I'll I'll try I'll try to read the, the second issue because this sounds like something. Even if you explain the joke, well, one if you explain the joke, there's no joke, but um. It feels like even if you walk me through the steps of the joke, I've, if I'm not reading the issue, it's still going to feel a little lost. So yeah, the biggest thing with it. this book is that even with the fucking new, the newfound heart of Mark Millar, even with the talents of Capullo, without context, without like an actual explanation as to how this shit works, this book can only go so far. It loses something, yeah. No, I, no, that's a fair criticism. I uh, that is that that makes a lot of sense. I, I for what it is though, I think it's still pretty good. I mean, I think I, I don't know. I'm digging it anyways. But Bertie, you're at least interested. I mean, that's that's saying something I mean, it's, for a Miller it, book. It, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've been told that his more recent books are quite D- enjoyable versus the shit he did for. Marvel. And have you have you still not read Huck? I've read some of Huck. I haven't read the whole thing yet. If you are a new listener to the podcast, be sure to go back and check out our weekly Huck date updates. Yeah, that was good. I had fun with that one. Huck oh, man, is Huck. a fantastic book and one of the best to come out this year. I mean, look at these fucking artists that he gets, though. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> Eminem, Capullo... Uh, and then, like, every guy who works with him, they get a movie deal. That's crazy. <laughs> that's the thing that I guess you could say that you, that's shitty about him, though, that it seems a lot of these times these books are kind of, like, movie pitches, but um, they still make for good comics, I find, a lot of the stuff he's been doing. I don't know. <sighs> and I was got to say about so, yeah, Born? I mean, not as of yet. I mean... Good art. I mean, it's Capullo, so that that was never in question. Um, yeah, that's saying saying like we've said Capullo a lot. Good art goes without saying. I um, 
it's too early to tell with this one. It's interesting, but it's... I'm not sure I can call it good yet. Mm. All right. Okay. Moving on. I like him now. Moving on to Cannibal. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh, God. I... I sat in a way that made my back go backwards, and I felt like I was actually just about to fall asleep. Well, I thought you were going to say you sat in your nuts. No. That that, that would not that make hurts. you fall asleep. That no, I, if I sat on my nuts, I would be <laughs> wide awake. <laughs> Maybe you should try it then. <laughs> Me being awake does not... Me being awake for this show does not warrant the level of pain that would come from sitting on my own testicles. I'll be right back. I'm going to go sit on my nudes. All right. Go ahead, man. It's a cannibal. It's a new book from Brian Buccoletto. I feel like I know that name. He was the co-writer of the Flash book with Francis Manipole. He's also a writer on many other great books. He's a very good writer. And is he, he is <laughs> And he is co-writing the book with Jennifer Young. Ah, uh, yes. What does so, that mean exactly? I don't know who that is, I'm just saying. Nor do I. But probably a novelist of some sort. Probably. They're writing all the comics now. Because there is a, like, even in the first issue, the previously in Cannibal book, the previously in Cannibal section is fairly lengthy. Previously on Cannibal. Yes, so. In this book, in America, in the Southeast, A a Category 5 hurricane unleashed a bunch of mosquitoes carrying a hundred-year-old strain of yellow fever. An organization released a medicine called YPAC to combat the disease, and it cured it, but made the people people cured by it hungry for human flesh. Not zombies, full-on, just regular people, who need to eat other people. Dead man, you know what this sounds like, right? That that kind of generic vampire anime that's out this season, Blood of Wars. I had not even seen the first episode of that. The whole premise is people are suffering from extreme forms of narcolepsy, and a cure is found for it, but it turns people into vampires. Okay. So, anywho, I lost my train <laughs> of thought, thought I'd note that. there. Yeah, so the cannibal side of cannibal seems to mostly be an exacerbating factor to uh, over to an overall story about a son coming home to talk to his family, some other guy. And a kidnapping story involving his lady friend. 
and vigilante justice in the south of, in the swamps of the bayou or whatever. Down in the bayou. Yeah, kind of. in the street. <laughs> yeah, and it is... It is bizarre. The way this progresses. Like, like the first thing, hey, here's a cannibal in town. Like, like, it's in the town of Willow. And there's been no reported cannibal sightings there yet. And then one night, a kid leaving the bar that he works at gets attacked by a cannibal. And eaten behind the bar. That cannibal well, is then that cannibal is then hunted down and fucking shotgun blasted in somebody's cabin. And then the story moves on from there about a fucking bearded guy who kidnaps his own girlfriend so they can fuck in a cabin secretly. Nice. And then she goes missing. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. And everybody's like, is it a cannibal? And they're like, nah, it couldn't be a cannibal, right? <laughs> you mean zombies might have made this person a zombie? Nah. It's not zombies. They want to make that very clear. No, I know. I know. I'm just I'm making a comparison for <laughs> for the sake of how ridiculous that argument always is. Yeah, I... So, uh, based on everything you said, Dead Man, um, I think I might just read Nailbiter. This isn't really equivalent. Okay, but like it, it, it I, like, I think it's a fine book. Like Nailbiter is significantly better. I like Nailbiter, although it, it's definitely kind of dragging right now. Like on and on. I need some resolutions. Yeah, in fucking. That book. It's like almost, I wouldn't say it's anywhere near Morning Glories <laughs> in terms of, yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I would not even compare that book because I actually oh. like Nailbiter. No, <laughs> Nail, Nailbiter is very concise. Like, yeah, there are questions, but you always know what's happening. You always know who's involved with what and where is this shit's going with one or two exceptions that make sense with Morning Glories from fucking page one. You have no idea what the hell's happening. Yeah, that's why I said it was an unfair comparison. I just meant that I definitely do need some more resolutions like to the plot uh, at some point in that book. But it doesn't feel like it's a book that they're going to be kind of, at the end of it, of the journey, you're going to, I'm pretty certain you're going to know everything that's kind of happened. You know what well, I mean? I mean like, you, you need resolutions to nail Biter, and I need Saga to stop tearing my heart out every issue. Oh, we can't God. always have what we want. Oh, I know which one you're talking about, the most recent <laughs> one. Holy fuck. That was that sad. The blood the blood the, used the by the doctor to make the buckaroo uh, fucking butchers was actually created from the giant magic corkscrew. What you gotta do is that's you gotta. Se- what you gotta do is you gotta go sentence. back in time, then have the lightning ghost stick his hand through your chest, and then oh, that blood. No, that, you're you're describing morning glories. No, <laughs> <laughs> fuck off with that. Let me pull up the tum- <laughs> let me pull up the Tumblr post in order to tell everybody what's happened in morning glories so far. Uh, my fucking for weakness. Reason, for some reason, trolling us wakes Dead Man up. <laughs> no, I'm still asleep. Just trolling you guys is really easy. <laughs> That's really all you got to mention to me. I, I'm fucking 
furious now. <laughs> I fucking hate that book. Zoo and Cannibal, art's done by Matthias Bergara. Sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. But it's pretty good. It is, speaking of Capullo, kind of Capullo-esque. Like, it's a bit more heavily shaded and not as, like, I guess, not as clean. But it works for the book really well. Okay. If I was awake, I would be able to give out more. It's just I'm not very great at describing art to begin with. Yeah, it's difficult. Except bad art. For some reason, bad art's easier to describe. Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah, like, bad art is... It looks like shit. <laughs> it's like, it looks like a pile of shit. Yeah, it, it's way... It's a lot easier to, like, describe what you... It's a lot Don't easier like. to... Yeah, it's a lot easier to fucking say what you hate. Yeah. Right. About something that, that is to say what you just, love about something. That artist just stuck Venom's head on a uh, woman's body. Yeah. <laughs> I got a I got a fight on the internet. I was reading something the other day, like some old Batman trade that I have. It, it's the Batman by Brubaker. They came out with the second volume of all the Batman issues that Ed Brubaker wrote. Oh. And there's there's some it's good. No, it's really good, but the artist that they use in it <laughs> there's this scene where he's basically standing there and there's a fucking he goes to kick somebody, but he's facing the reader and his leg is going on like a fucking angle, <laughs> like coming out of nowhere and kicking somebody in the face. You're like, where did that fucking leg come out of? <laughs> it's just like it's, it looks like from it's the like a dimension it, of it, physics. Yeah, it just looks like it's his arm, but it's his leg, and it's going at like a fucking <laughs> like an angle that is impossible. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta find this panel though. It made me laugh. Anyway, <laughs> Hannibal. Yes, Hannibal <laughs> is a solid book. If you're into, if you want to read, yep, Nico. All right, all righty. So then I seen this panel where it looked like this guy was punching this other guy. No. <laughs> okay. In I am so Man. tired, my nose feels numb. Infinite Iron Man, number two. Here we go. I sense, I sense there's a division amongst the ranks <laughs> on this one. Yes. I but, thought the first issue was an incredibly boring and uninspired bullshit trying to capitalize on a whole new brand of Iron Man merchandise when nobody wants any. And what people want is Dr. Doom to be Dr. Fucking Doom. I loved it. Total opposite. Great first issue. Great Malivart. Great fucking Alex Malivart. So good. So, so good. Is Bendis writing it? Yes. Oh. It's got that Ben. I mean, Maliv uh, only pretty much works with uh, with uh, Bendis at this point. That's you know? a shame because yeah. Maliv's art is. I don't want to say this because I don't. I don't want to imagine that Bendis won't do anything good ever again. But Bendis is kind of squandering what talent he has left on really stupid ideas at this point. Yeah. Yep. A lot of his stuff doesn't go anywhere. It's true. He loses his own thread of like what he sets out to do in the comic book series a lot of the time. And then, but I will say this about his, his stuff. I find a lot of it's just comfortable, quick reads. 
Like, I'm never too invested in anything that's going on in these. Like, I can pick them up. I can enjoy a little bit of the Bendis-y fucking chatter that he usually puts in them. Some people could say that's a bad thing, but it's just like, I never walk away. You know what I mean? Like, it is a very no, nice, light read, and, and, and he does work with some really good artists sometimes, other than fucking Diodato. But, uh, so, so far, I've found this Infinite Iron Man interesting. Like, yes, it's, Yes, it's Doctor Doom as Iron Man, um, but it's got great Maliev art, like I said before, which is a big sell for me because, like I said, I'm a big fan of his since Daredevil with Brubaker, uh, with I'm um, sorry with Bendis, and um, and yeah, you've said that before too, uh, Bertie. You're a big fan of his art as well. Um, yeah, no, I like I liked several of the Bendis Maliev mm-hmm. combinations, both with Marvel and without. And I still think there's a couple of books Bendis has worked on that he said he'll return to, but hasn't yet. Oh, that like I honestly would, yeah, Scarlet or yeah. Um, uh, United States of Murder. Oh yes, and now what's his name's going and doing the uh, Cave Carson book? That artist, uh, what's his Michael name? Michael Avon. Yes, yes, and you've said it looks really good, so I'm, I'm interested to see that. Anyways, in this issue, basically, in the first issue, they introduced, you know, Doctor Doom as now he's this new Iron Man. And basically throughout the whole Iron Man series that Bendis was writing prior to this, Tony Stark, he was... It wasn't not convinced that Doctor Doom was on the level. And basically, we all know now at you this time... You don't say. Yeah, we, we all know at this point. Um, although he hasn't showed his cards yet, I'm sure that's the case, because that's always the case with Doctor Doom. Yet... Um, he, Why he would Doctor ca- Doom be evil? He's hot now, <laughs> right? His name is Doom. <laughs> <laughs> and in this issue, uh, one of his uh, old uh, old pals, the uh, ever loving Blue Eyed Thing, shows up to the Latvian embassy looking for Doom because it's obviously he's, he's pissed off. <laughs> he is pissed <laughs> off that uh, he is now masquerading around as a superhero, and of course. He does not believe it, so uh, he goes to the Latvian embassy, and uh, he's not very ever-loving in this issue. He comes off like kind of a dick, but it actually makes for a, uh, I, a, a funny moment with I the can't really At this point, I can't really blame Ben Grimm for being a dick. He's not, right. being, he's, he's not really allowed that in, in the Guardians much anymore. The right. Fantastic Four doesn't really exist right now. <laughs> right. His so, house... <laughs> So he shows up to the Latvian embassy. He's actually wearing the Guardian's outfit, but he doesn't reference it at all. But you could see that he, like, he's got like the jumpsuit on. So he walks in. He's like, "Hey, where's Doom? I know you guys know where he is." And the Latvian embassy guys are like, "No, listen, we have no idea where he is. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to leave. Why are you coming in here disrupting things?" So then he kind of, you know, with his funny Bendisy chatter, he kind of does this whole thing where the thing keeps hitting. Uh, antiques off of pedestals until they'll tell him where Doom is. So, like, he leans on, like, a, like he's like, oh, this is a nice vase you got here. And he's like, yeah, it's uh, priceless. He's like, oops. And he, like, you know, drops it. So it's kind of like... I, uh, mean, what a- <laughs> I, I, can, I can appreciate that mindset. I've often yeah. thought that I would like to draw on one of Trump's self-portraits that he spent charity money on. But- so he's pulling a nineteen fucking twenties gangster protection racket scheme. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> or, or he's did he tell? Did he tell any? Did he tell he's any of the people? Did, yeah, did he tell any <laughs> of the fucking diplomats to go get their fucking shine box? Yeah, <laughs> he's been locked up a long time. He just wants what's coming to him. All right. <laughs> did anyone talk about yeah. the soul still dancing? 
He's just he's just busting your chops, man. Just fucking, you know, he don't shine shoes no more. Fucking busting your chops. <laughs> You're out of now, line. Now run home and get your <laughs> fucking shine box. Yeah. I don't know if you heard. I don't shine shoes no more. <laughs> yeah, good, bad Joe Pesci, <laughs> right there. At some point, there we is... do need to watch Scorsese's oh. Roger Corman film. Yeah, and also Nico, there is no good Joe Pesci. <laughs> no, I meant my bad Joe Pesci uh, impersonation. <laughs> Joe Pesci's classic. As did casino. I. Come on. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I thought you meant by you don't like Joe Pesci. I was like, come on. <laughs> he's good in some things. Joe Pesci but, hasn't been good since he stopped doing the thing that he's best at and started going as comedy. Joe Pesci comedy never works. Yeah, Lethal Weapon... My cousin Vinny, he wasn't really the big draw. That was Marissa Tomei. Anyways. Was he in The Pest? <laughs> he was in this movie yeah. called The... Um, he was in The Pest. He was one where he was a super. I think it was called The Super, too, which was not good. Uh, there was the a Joe, comics podcast. There was a Joe <laughs> Pesci rap album. Anyways, Infamous Iron Man. I, for one, am enjoying it. Um, I think it's actually probably one of the better... Again, Bendis usually starts out strong for me and then loses the... I will admit, he does usually lose well, the Well, I mean, Dead point. Man should agree with you on that. He liked the first issue of Civil War 2. <laughs> nice callback there. I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> you, you you, were saying it's pretty... You're like, really, guys? It's great. <laughs> you should reread this with me. <laughs> we're like, nah. I nah, said... Nah, we'll wait. <laughs> I said... <laughs> Issue one. No, no. That was three issues in, I believe. You said you were still on board. At least two or three. No, no. Nope. It was issue... It, it was said issue. issue one, and then issue two and three dive-bombed. I've listened to the podcast recently. <laughs> issue okay. one was a fine read that was a decent start to a potentially interesting series. Issue two was fucking horse cocks. Well, we both talked about it on the show here before, Dead Man. I think one of the worst Bendis things in recent years that I remember we talking about was that fucking Ultimate End piece of shit. Remember that? That was fucking horrible. When he was ended the Ultimate Wars time? Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was when he ended his he ended his epic run in the uh, epic, I'm using the word. <laughs> epic run in the Ultimate Universe of the Ultimate Spider-Man with that fucking piece of shit book and then merged the fucking uh and they merged the character over in the 616. I don't even that think I don't even think I finished Ultimate End. I read the first it, issue and was like this is too shitty. No, it was horrible. This is super disrespectful to everything that you've done and to the fans of the Ultimate Universe. Because it wasn't even like... At at that point, the Ultimate Universe was dead. It was just, hey, we have some fucking characters in the Ultimate Universe who are still hanging around. And for some reason, they know that what the world they live in isn't the real world anymore. And... Well, I mean, it's it's what Marvel... Is it what Marvel does, where they create a universe around a new spider character they've created? That universe collapses, but they keep the spider characters. The yeah. spider character is usually Peter Parker. Yeah, but like May, like um, Peter's daughter Mayday stuck around in the in the Spider Verse stuff. 
Yeah, and that's true. Miles Morales stuck around from Ultimates. Occasionally, Spider-Man Noir shows up. Miguel yeah. O'Hara. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, Infamous Iron Man. I enjoyed it, and Mad Thinker also showed up. He went to like take down Mad Thinker. He destroyed his lab because Mad Thinker doesn't want to work. Uh, doesn't want to work for the greater good with uh, Doctor Doom. The greater uh, and, good. And then, yeah, as he leaves after destroying his lab, um, one of these. I guess leftover robots that didn't get blown up come stumbling out of the this uh, shack that he was working in, and there's an innocent bystander's worth of uh, kids there, and um, he kind of teleports away, teleports back, and then he's like, "Sorry, I'm new at this," and he blows up that one last robot because <laughs> he's he's An new innocent and bystanders people. worth of kids. Yeah, you heard me right. I'm How much tired, is an innocent but... bystander? Is that like seven? Yeah, there's about two. Two kids. So an innocent bystander's worth is seven. That means there is two children. That's right. That's my uh, tired math. I'm also tired, motherfucker. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Birdie. I'm done. He's going to be right back. (laughs) Okie doke. So I'll just do Amazing Spitterman. Renew your vows. How many innocent bystanders of kill are in this book? There's about ten point three seven. On a scale of one to seven, there are nine innocent bystanders of moloids. Okay. Who are there? So the art's good. Yes. Stegman. Yeah, Ryan Stegman, he is... Turns out a pretty good artist. Costume designer, maybe not so much, because both the costumes for his kid, whose name escapes me, and his wife, whose name escapes me, are both real fucking boring and terrible, and boring and terrible. Because it's just... It's just, like, for the wife, it is just a, it is a unitard and essentially a domino mask. Is it as bad as the mask that we've seen in that uh, book we talked about last episode? What was it? The uh, the Spider-Man um, <laughs> clone conspiracy. <laughs> it's about as, it's about the same quality. <laughs> it does a better job of covering the eyes, but doesn't cover anything else. Right. And then the daughter is some hockey pads and half of a plastic Spider-Man mask. Neither Mary Jane nor the daughter whose name escapes me feel all that concerned about covering their entire fucking head. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, yeah. having incredibly vibrant red hair is not going to make them stand out at all. Yeah, I've seen some images of this. I, I, I uh, Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know. This one doesn't bug me as much as some of the other bad costume designs out there. But Also, I, I, I the fact that he's just gave Mary Jane powers. That's dumb and forced <laughs> and dumb. Yeah, that is kind of 
And the explanation that they just use stolen regent tech is dumb and lazy. Oh, they're continuing with this fucking regent guy. No, they, I know that he appe- I know be- that he appeared in the original Renew Your Vows though. Wasn't that that villain? It was like a dark sidey dude. Yep, they beat him and then use okay. some of that tech to pass on Peter's powers to Mary Jane, so she can be a spider person too. Does this take place directly after the other Renew Your Vows? Like, is there anything in between that we had to read, though? Or Nope. Okay. As long as you read Renew Your Vows, which that in and of itself was kind of a chore. It was, yeah. Then you'll be all caught up. <laughs> Alrighty. There is a backup story in the book, which is infinitely more charming. Nice. Which is about Peter babysitting his daughter while Mary Jane's out doing stuff. They go swinging about the city and then find Sandman. And Peter has to go do something. So he has Sandman babysit his daughter. They then get He then comes back, webs up... Sandman turns him into a sandcastle, which somehow defeats him. Then they're at home by the time Mary Jane comes back, and it's like, nothing interesting happened at all. And Mary Jane's like, why is there sand everywhere? Then Peter loses custody in the divorce hearings. It's adorable. Ah. <laughs> Art also changed up from Ryan Stegman to a really simple, lightly colored, like very simple line drawing, which mm-hmm. for the tone of story they were going for worked really well. Okay, it That's was good. it was almost like a it was almost like a comic strip, right? Which Do we know who this, the artist was or? Uh, someone does. Okay. I am gonna look that up. Uh, da, 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 da. So, are we still talking about Infamous Iron Man? No, 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 no. no we moved okay. on. We're okay, talking, it's talking about by Spider-Man Anthony Holden. Okay, who I think <laughs> also wrote it. Okay, and yeah, it is at times Calvin and Hobbes-esque in terms of like actual Ooh. quality. Nice. I like the sounds of that. It never gets as existential, but it okay. does have a it does have a like level of sincerity about it that actually helps endear it a lot. Mm-hmm. And actually helps probably justify the family dynamic in the book, I would assume. The family dynamic is infinitely more believable and like engaging than yep. it ever was in the actual book. Like like seeing Sandman get like super stressed out and like sweating in just in just like anticipation and ang- and anxiety when Spider Man shows up to pick up his kid. Mm. Because, because it's like, because oh, like he, like, oh, he you know, thinks he's gonna whoop his ass. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, like they are, like he's swinging to go talk to J. Jonah Jameson about you know pictures and stuff, 
And then it's like, and his kids like hang on to his back. He's like, "Hey, Dad, can I go play with Sandman?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And so he, so he just hands fucking his kid over to Sandman. Sandman's like, "Uh, yeah, I'll look after her. Fuck it." She's like, "Make a castle." <laughs> and the next time I see him, she's building. He's building a castle, and she's screaming. I was like, "No, make it look like a braid. You're doing it all wrong." And then he webs up Sandman, and they have fucking hair and there's kids playing in fucking sandcastles and shit I get home and it's real adorable and really likable and if this was the book then I'd be way more into it but instead it's fucking horse shit hmm. yeah so you're a fan more of the backup than the actual story huh yep if this was just a light little thing like if this was a if this was a backup story in a different spider-man book I know that that requires us to care about Peter Parker in a Spider-Man book. So you're saying if it was like the uh, Bulk and Skull backup from the Kyle Higgins Power Ranger story. Kinda. This is... This is close to JL8 in terms of quality. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I like JL8. (laughs) Yeah, but for this backup story is close to JL8. Okay. And that's good. That is a good thing. JL8 is good, and this is good. This backup story is pretty good. I like it. Okay, so... But the main story is horse shit. The main story is Secret Wars tie-in level of quality. Uh, Again, that's highly variable. Uh, I think he's going by the uh, Renew Your Vows miniseries in particular, though, because this oh, is the, okay, yeah. yeah, because like which, I, I which really wasn't great. A, I really liked A Force. It's hot. Yeah, no, there was garbage. there was some good Secret Wars ones. That that, that, that yeah, oh, there was some good Secret Wars ones. No, but um, no, the only thing I have to say about this new book, from what I've seen, is that Mary Jane's spider outfit looks like horse shit. <laughs> the kids' outfit ain't much better. I don't remember it. I just distinctly remember how bad her outfit looks. <laughs> looks like a porn parody of Spider-Man's outfit. The kid's outfit <laughs> looks like hockey pads. Like, fuck, fuck god damn it. She's wearing, god fucking damn it. We, talk, we talked about that jackal mask last week, and this mask for the kid... Is like if she got the fucking 50 cent, like, fucking plastic Spider-Man mask and then just cut the fucking everything from the nose down off of it. Jesus Christ. Okay, Birdie, we missed you, so go, go, go. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, Sorry about me, this, everybody. In an attempt to boy up the room, let's talk Trinity. Okay. Issue 3 was the worst issue so far, because it doesn't have Manipul on art. I have to agree with uh, with Dead Man, actually, on this one. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to come out of my mouth. Most of the story <laughs> isn't that episode. great, either. I was I lost track of what the story was in issue three because like, yeah. it felt like the transition from Superman's 
past to Batman's past was kind of jarring. There was no transition. Yeah. They just were there. No, I, I agree with Dead Man. It was probably the weakest for me out of all three issues so far. But sorry, go on. So, I mean, the first issue had problems. I liked it overall. But um, if, <laughs> again, France Manipal art does a lot, just like how I tolerated that Batgirl book because of uh, yeah, uh, Raphael oh. Albuquerque art. Yeah. But, um, I just don't get what the point of where they're going is. Because, like, honestly, the most in- it's weird that the most interesting part of the Trinity story at this point is a character that's not any of the three biggest superheroes in DC Comics trying to run over Ivy with a truck. Oh, John, you mean? Lois Lane's pretty good, as it yeah. turns out. Or Lois Lane. Do you mean his son or Lois? Lois, yeah, yeah, his ten year old son was driving a truck. No, he was tied up by by uh, poison ivy, that's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the last panel is get away from my son, you bitch. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, they're great. I think those are I mean, I love Superman right now. I think it's which is so again, crazy for me. I love that Superman title. Anyways. It's nice liking Superman again. It is. It's nice that Superman's likable again. Yeah. 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 So, and if only, the, also... if only the movies would realize that Superman can be an enjoyable, fun character and not a fucking dour, murderous asshole, Goyer and Snyder, you fucking hacks. The fact that you both keep getting work is literally mind boggling. Well, I bet, tr- I bet Trump's a big punch. fan of yours, you fucking jerks. I come up with more interesting names to call you, but I'm really tired. So there. So, okay, I have to ask this question because it's been going back and forth in my head since I, they introduced the redesign. Do you like Wonder Woman's new outfit better with the cape or without? without. I don't like Wonder Woman with capes. Yeah, I like it without. Not a big cape guy in general. No capes. Yeah, <laughs> no capes Ed, for you. Edna Mode had that shit right. She wasn't the fucking soup Nazi of capes, Nico. <laughs> Just snatches the cape. There's actually an episode where Larry David is walking around with a cape with George's dad. <laughs> he's like, "Is that guy wearing a cape?" And he's uh, just out and about. <laughs> Nice little tidbit of information there for you yeah. about Seinfeld. <laughs> there you go. But I feel like this is, whereas Birds of Prey, I declared fuck that book because it was trying and failing to reestablish the one of my favorite groups of characters dynamics when I was growing up on DC Comics. This feels more like they're working towards that classic dynamic from the golden ages of DC comics between Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. That's because one of the characters is actually that character. (laughs) Like, while fucking one D's and bat boy are the new 52 version of themselves. The Superman is that Superman. I mean, what is the ratio of kid bystanders in this issue? Would you say bystanders of kids? Uh, Bystanders. It's probably about, (laughs) 
probably about a four and a half. No, it was just a call back to a big fuck up of mine earlier. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he said there. He said there was a bystander amount of children. <laughs> so, yeah, he sorry. said said there was a bystander amount of seven, which meant there were two children. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm getting tired. <laughs> Go ahead. So yeah, and so um, with, so with Batman, so Trinity, I'd say there's a four point five because there is one real child and one hallucinated child. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to reading more of this. Date Francis. I hope Francis Manipool comes back. I hope he doesn't pull a uh, Frank Cho and just disappear. He's writing the book. Yeah, he just okay. does five issues and he drops the mic. He's gone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was my contribution. I launch books. I don't continue them. <laughs> you fucks. Well, considering the fact that he did fucking, what was it, 30 issues of The Flash? Yeah, no, no, no. He's staying on the book as far as I know. But he's definitely, you know, he needs time to, to draw ahead like, you know, most artists. Thank God this is monthly, though. If this was, like, one of those fucking double shipping books from uh, DC, it would suffer a lot more, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, luckily that this book's not one of the ones that people are saying is on the uh, cancellation chopping block, like the Batgirl book. <laughs> oh, oh, have they started that talk already? I haven't heard yeah, anything it, about it, that. It, oh, okay. It, I think in the, uh, I think for November, I think for October, um, the Batgirl book ranked, like, 58th. Ooh. Yeah, yeah and which Nico, is bad for rebirth numbers. And Nico, those cancellation talks started happening the fucking first day of rebirth as you dropped. <laughs> I know it was a constant thing, the uh, cancel apocalypse with the fucking DC fifty two, right? Everything was fucking getting canceled months in advance, but Yeah, uh, hey, we got fucking fifty two new issues, and by the second month we will have twenty five <laughs> issue twos. Yeah. We'll be jumping ship on half of them and changing editorial teams on the other half. <laughs> That's how the new Fifty Two was. You know that interesting and you know that interesting Batwoman story. Fuck you. She's now being raped by a lesbian vampire. Eat a dick. <laughs> oh man. Anything oh, man. else, Bertie? <laughs> um. It's weird that of the books that we had to talk about, I was more excited to talk about DC books than Marvel books tonight. But other than no, that, yep. I'm I'm glad I can like some DC again. Well, because like because yeah. like it, during New Fifty Two, um, Brian Azzarello's Wonder Woman was an outlier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it existed, but it was an outlier. There were. This feels more like it, like between uh, Greg Rucka's second run on Wonder Woman and this and some other books from DC. It seems like DC might be turning itself around. Right. Yeah. Like, did you? I don't know if you listened. Did you? Did you listen to the episode when you uh, were here last, Birdie? Because we were talking about the same thing at that time. We were we were saying that me and Dead Man were saying that. Uh, well, at least for me, I said that Marvel for me lately has not been actually. It's the had been doing so well compared to before, and now DC is actually the one that I've been looking forward to a lot of their books. A lot of them are, are pretty decent right now, actually. I, I I think I might have listened to some of it. I think I remember Dead Man referring to me as having PTSD. I think, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I agree with you, though, with the DC thing. They're definitely putting out a lot better stuff now than they have. Yeah, now, they still have some horse shit, but that's sure. because... They, that's because, um, not Kevin Feige, that's the good guy. Um, what's the guy I want to punch Dan DiDio. Dan DiDio. I, yeah. He Dan still has Dio, not accepted that. Axel Alonso. That's Marvel. Jeff Johns. <laughs> Todd <Anyways>. McFarlane. <laughs> the list goes on. Mike Diodato. No. <laughs> Jim Ballant. Oh, the Catwoman guy. Yeah. Forgot about him. Doug Monk. <laughs> Anyways. Jock. What? No, I'm not agreeing with that one. That's. I was just naming artists or people <laughs> I know in creative positions. Blasphemy. Okay, so. Are you. Are, sorry, Brady, anything else about uh, that book or. Um. No, I'm good, I think. I just, I kind of, I want them to get out of the dream shit so we can have an excuse to have yeah. the actual, because it feels too much like, it feels weird that the three main characters have been sidelined. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. Because of the kind of shift that the story took, I've dropped it now. I'm going to pick up the trade. Okay. Like that, yeah, yeah, like that, that. That, yeah, that's like, that's because I definitely get where you're coming from because that's how I felt reading it. I was like, eh, I'm like, if it's going to be this, every single issue is going to be like the, one of them finding themselves and then coming to some sort of like resolution about, you know what I mean? Like at the end of this arc, then I, I could just read it in one big chunk, I felt, but, but it's definitely yeah. still good. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, Francis Manifold needs to stay on it because it's kind of like sure. uh, the woman who draws Jim in the holograms when she left. Ooh, there was yes. a noticeable downtick. <laughs> yes, the um, the, he's uh, Kelly, a he's Kelly a woman. Sue, not is Kelly Sudeikonic. Kellyanne Thompson, I think, is the, right. Uh, she's a she's a woman now, right? Like it was. Yes. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, that's the person who did that uh, glory book <laughs> for Image. Everyone remembers that <laughs> glory. Does and do it, people remember glory? No, it was a joke. <laughs> That was the yeah. relaunched glory that they tried to do with profit and all that. Oh fuck, that was a weird book too. Anyways, Dead uh, Man. So wait, no, Dead Man just went. So I guess it's back to you, Nico. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the last book I'm going to talk about, Ether, number one. It's the new miniseries from Dark Horse Comics, written by Matt Kent, who I've talked about on the show before. I'm a fan of his stuff, but sometimes his stuff. Like, I think we've all kind of said, uh, uh, agreed with, I believe, you all feel this way, is, is a tough sell. His uh, concepts are pretty big sometimes, and you can get pretty lost pretty quickly. It's, Wait, who uh, are we talking about? Matt Kent, Mind Management. Oh, oh okay, Mind Management. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got lost somewhere. Yeah, so Much like in mind management. That's yeah, bad. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's true though. It's a it's a it's a fair criticism. So, like when people say they don't like his work, I totally get where they're coming from because uh, it's not really like Morrison. I would say it's definitely something different. No, no, like Morrison. Morrison's about like except for Doom Patrol, which I don't know what the fuck he was doing on Doom Patrol. I know it's good, but I'm not yeah. sure what he was doing sure a lot of this is what he was doing (laughs) it's true actually (laughs) a lot of morrison's books actually feel like they're about altered states of being right 
Matt Kent often feels like the degradation of states of being to the point where, like, not nihilistic, more like no, no, yeah, self-destructive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, fair enough. That's I. Uh, so this book is by uh, him and David Rubin, who's uh, a really, really good. Uh, I just put a link to one of his things there. Uh, a European artist that we've, I think, talked about on the show. I think Dead Man. Were you reading that book as well? That the fiction book that he drew. Yeah, where yeah. Where he I like went inside that. the books. It wasn't that great. Like he didn't write it, and it wasn't Matt Kidd who wrote it. It was somebody else. But um, I'm a particular fan of his art. I really like his art style. Um, it's like kind of it's most reminiscent, I'd say, of Paul Pope. Have you seen his work? Uh, he actually did this book, which I never got to talk about on the show. I forgot I had read it. Uh, sometimes I, I read like other trades. I forget to to put them in my lists when we come into the show. Um, he did this book that's kind of like the Twelve Labors of Hercules, and it's one of the best comics I've read in the last couple of years. If you guys ever have the chance to check it out, uh, I would definitely would love to hear one of you guys talk about it and see what you thought about it. It was called Hero, or sorry, it's called The Hero. Dark Horse reprinted it. Um, it was originally released, I guess, in Europe or, or somewhere, wherever he's from, and then translated for English. And it came in two volumes. And it's basically the 12, it's a retelling of the 12 labors of uh, Hercules. And uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, he wrote it and drew it. And it's probably one of the better things I've read, like that stuck out to me in comics, like the last couple of years. Um, and I mean, I just got reminded of it because he's the artist on this book with uh, uh, Matt Kent called ether. Uh, and it's, uh, it's pretty out there. This book, I, <laughs> one issue in unlike reborn where I just didn't know enough about what was going on to, to give, um, you know, a good description of the story so far. Um, this is one of those things where I don't know, really what's going on at this point. Uh, it's basically about this guy who enters into this weird other dimension, like some world uh, that's kind of like, yeah, like the ether, ether like the in-between world, like purgatory, whatever you want to call it. The upside down. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's, it's something like that um, where he goes and he travels there and he's a scientist of some sort and he kind of does research. And he's kind of let for whatever reason, this guy's allowed to kind of cross into this world and given access to do his thing and do research and solve mysteries. He's known as a problem solver and one of the smarter people in town, as you find out in this first issue, uh, because he basically falls into the middle of a uh, murder mystery of, of sorts uh, by the end of the issue. And that's basically uh, what it shapes up to be, I would say, by the end. Uh, again, like some of the, I just put another image in the in the messages here too to check out. I just really like this guy's art. And then basically at the end of the issue, what you find out is he kind of reverts back to his form on Earth because there's only a certain amount of time you can stay in this world without getting sick. And that picture that I just sent in the message thread here um, is basically what he turned back into when he went back to Earth at the end of the issue. You find out that he looks like a like a homeless man of some sort. Um, that he basically is down on his luck. He may have been a respected scientist uh, at at some point in his life, but now he isn't. And the only place he can actually do these kind of things now is in this uh, other world that he travels to. Because towards the end, when you see him go back to um, uh, the Earth, our world, he becomes like really disheveled looking and kind of and, and sick. 
sickly looking and has to crawl up into a corner on a street corner and he's trying to eat like a dirty ass piece of bread that he found and and you and you see a flashback of him as a a scientist all clean shaven and looking way better than he is now um from on earth back in the day when he had like a it looks like a wife or a girlfriend and they're just having a, a conversation so you kind of get hints that something happened to him and the only way he can still feel alive or uh, like do like his thing or is respected now is in this other world that he travels to and is able to do research. So it definitely was a interesting first issue. Um, it it left me with a lot of questions because the world that he travels to is quite weird. Like he walks around with this gatekeeper guy who's actually like a big gorilla that was in that other panel that I sent. And, uh, There's just all these weird creatures and and, and things that they're explaining. Yep. I I see what look like tree fairies. Yeah, they're like lights or something, but they have faces on them. Yeah, it's very... That's that's what I mean. Like, there's a lot of anthropomorphic type things in this world where, like, there's, there's things that are animals, and then there's also just things that are alive. Like, it's, like, just... I don't know. It's very strange and hard to explain. That's what I mean. Like they haven't really touched on anything like about how the world works exactly. So like, that's why I was referring to reborn where you're still kind of learning about everything at this point, but, but they're, they were more kind of just getting, letting you know, get to know this uh, individual, the main character in the story so far. So um, it definitely made me want to read the next issue. Uh, It was good. I thought it was, it, it wasn't that, as grounded, I mean, if you've read Matt Kent's stuff, definitely it's he, not gra- he's never yeah. grounded. Yeah, right. I was about to say. So, if you're not into that, um, I wouldn't suggest maybe checking this out or maybe reading it all in one big chunk because it's going to be a five issue miniseries when it's all said and done. But um, the art is is worth admission alone, in my opinion. I really dig this artist, uh, David Rubin, and uh, I, like I said, I would at least check out the hero. Um, if you guys haven't, if you're interested in checking that out, it's, uh, or anybody, any of the listeners, uh, very good stuff. So yeah. Um, ether, uh, five issue mini David Rubin's really, really good artist in my opinion and, uh, up and comer and, uh, you know, Matt Kent's still kind of doing his thing, what you would expect from him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Burry. All right. So. Uh, this is a book I actually read for a little while ago, but I kind of wanted to talk about it just because I was, I felt like um, a fun, uncomplicated uh, spy action story might be fun to talk about with all the weird, crazy shit we tend to talk about most of the time. So, uh, codename Babushka. <laughs> is it kind of like the Mamushka? I I think that's a male and a female term for children, but I don't know Russian. Isn't that that Russian? dance in Adam's family? <laughs> or is that Babushka? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never seen um, the Adam's family movie? I, Come on. <laughs> I've seen episodes of the Adam's family. I've never actually seen the movie. Ah. All right. But um so yeah, like Pretty uncomplicated story. Uh, Babushko is a code name that our main character, who has one of those long, ridiculous Russian names that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, uh, when she what she used when she was a moth, she was a Russian mob boss. 
who fled when the Kremlin fell and has been living in the United States with a former KGB handler. A dick of a CIA agent found out her identity and is using it to blackmail her to send her on a job to essentially go to this group of this auctioning off of a of important information by a group of crime lords. She meets old friends, she meets people that hate her more than the people that she's working for. Lots of stuff blows up. She's kind of a fun character. Jimmy wouldn't Jimmy would probably like this character because her suitcase is full of knives, bombs, and machine guns. That doesn't mean anything to you, Nico. It only means something to Deadman. <laughs> I don't think Nico's here for that to mean not mean anything to him. What? I don't know. I I am awake. <laughs> Maybe you should go get Detective Conan's death from the Jack the Ripper movie. I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> We're almost done. Yeah. <laughs> so the art in this is good. I don't know how to describe it exactly because it's. I'm it's, gonna look it up. It's stylized, but not overtly so. If that makes any sense, like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of hard to let me bring up. It's the not art. Jim Lee. Is no. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see who does the art. Uh, Shari Chankama. There's mm. a name for you. <laughs> uh, you know what? She's, you know she's what worked on something called uh, Sheltered. I don't know. Okay. That, uh, you know what? It kind of looks like Phil Noto, kind of. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to me, unfortunately. So. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, the big thing she worked on before this was Sheltered, which I've heard okay things about, but I've never read. But, uh, so, yeah, so the story's... The most interesting thing, story-wise, is just that... Um, this char- the degree to which this character gives no fucks is kind of entertaining, because uh, her her CIA her KGB handler is like, please tell me you remembered to wear your uh, Kevlar dress. It's like, honey, I don't wear anything else. I keep getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or how um, the the guy who is ultimately revealed to be the big bad guy. Uh, attempts to hide the fact that he's going to steal the evidence that's being auctioned, the info that's being auctioned off by staging a pirate attack and then blowing up the ship. He gets fucked over when she attaches the bombs he create he put together to his own helicopter. Okay. Yeah, and they do lots of fun stuff. Like, I don't I don't see this as much. I've, and I really should in spy stories more where injuries seriously affect performance. Right. Because um, the character has to do some weird acrobatic shit to get out of a situation, and she lands wrong on one of her boots and essentially tears several ligaments in her or her left ankle That's, to the point, where, to point yeah. where not only is she limping around for the rest of the issue, but pretty much everyone starts kicking her in the foot if they want her to stop mm. doing something. Oh, really? Okay. That's what yeah. I liked about the earlier... Um, Daniel Craig Bond movies because yeah. like when he kept fucking up and like you know what I mean like hurting himself and almost killing himself in all those scenes like um, I just felt that he wasn't very smooth at that point <laughs> at all in those movies so there's only two good Daniel Craig Bond the, fir- movies. the first two 
No, no. There's oh no, Quantum Solace is garbage. That's the second one. Yeah. No, sorry, yeah. the first one and the third one. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, first one and the third one. Yeah, no, that's okay. Most people yeah. seem to forget Quantum of Solace exists. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it was it's bad. A basically a bad knockoff. <laughs> it's a bad yeah. knockoff born movie. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Anyways, yeah, but um, I mean, the character is very likable. Um, they st- it, this is a self-contained story, but they set it up to continue because the main character is trying to hold on to um she got she found the information but she looked into it of course because she's not going to just hand over something without exacting some leverage from it and she attempts to ex- to extract the leverage from the the info she's obtained but it turns out that somehow the C- the CIA agent Dick knows her true name Okay. I don't know what that means yet exactly, but it's sort of the setup for whatever the next book or series of books is. It works like because, a demon. Well, if you know the person's real name, you can control them. I think they actually say that in the book. The power of patriotism compels you, commie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this first book called uh, The Conclave of Death, which there's a spy movie title for you. Um, it's self-contained, it's fun, if you like it, it looks like they're setting up for maybe eventually doing another issue, I just, another volume, I just don't know when, and I've got other stuff I need to read right now anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Alright. Yeah, a lot of fun. Okay, uh, sounds, then. Looks good. So, Dead Man? Bring, bring it home? That's what man. <laughs> I talked about all my shit. You guys talk about all your shit. We're, we're all good. <laughs> we're all done. And there's no news. So that's good there for this week. <laughs> oh, gosh. Are you sure there's no news? None that <laughs> I, I went through earlier today and didn't see anything that interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, Venom is no longer a protector of the galaxy. Fucking shock of shocks. <laughs> now that's some news. <laughs> Venom is back in New York for a new beginning, coming out November 23rd. I'm all over that. Oh my god. <laughs> All over it. You mean they took an incredibly popular fan favorite character, reversed the dumb shit they did to him, and brought him back to the status quo everybody is used to? I am genuinely surprised. That is something you never see happen in comics. Song is as, as good as that uh, Venom book that Bertie talked about last time. It will never be that good again. So Deadman wants the return of the 90s. Let's put that on record. Yes. <laughs> well, how I mean, the we already, fuck we already have you, the Clone Saga. How the fuck did you <laughs> screw that from what I just said? Because oh, the sorry. last Venom book I talked about was from the 90s. Well, that'll be it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back in an amount of time with another one of the things we just did. Some degree of bystanders will be hurt in the making of that process, but in between <laughs> now and then, 
Nice. That was good. <laughs> We're going to have our sign off. Until then, I am a host. <laughs> I am a co host. I don't know what I'm doing here. I just kind of show up. <laughs> and Will.